The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. This is your host, Christy. I am here with the great Jim Harold. I am so excited. Um, we're going to radiate spookiness today because, of course, this episode is going to drop just days before Halloween, and we're kind of in the spooky season, season as Jim likes to say on his shows. Welcome, Jim. Welcome, oh, it's good. I should say. It's good to be back. Uh, happy Halloween to everyone and to you, Christy, and thank you for having me on the program. And I always love to talk spooky stuff every time of the year, but specifically this time of the year. This time of the year is really great for that because everybody gets in the spirit. I know in Kansas City, we all do. I'm sure it's the same way in Cincinnati, Ohio, where you are. Or is it Columbus, Ohio? It's actually Cleveland, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can name the big three. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland. But uh, actually, I think we might end up moving down further that way. It's a little warmer down there. So maybe you're just uh, picking up on the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, Jim, you're the host of, and I'm sure I won't name every single one of them, but Campfire Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire. Right. Yeah, the the paranormal podcast. I do a show actually on true crime, Jim Harold's crime scene. I do a show with my wife, uh, Soulmate Stories. I do a show on podcasters called Pod Lords. And then I have a whole series of premium podcasts for super fans uh, who love the spooky and all matter of things. And that's a whole other piece of what I do. So we were just talking before, so I, I might put out six, seven podcast episodes a week. Okay. I put out one a week and I can't even, cannot even imagine putting six or seven. That is insane, Jim. I, actually, it is, but it, it's my full-time job. So, uh, But it's very, very busy. It, it fills up my days for sure. Oh, yeah. So I listen to the Campfire Tales, Paranormal Podcast, and Soulmate Stories. Those are the top ones of yours that I listen to just because I just don't have time. Okay. No, no, no. And then that's kind of why I do different shows is because obviously I don't, I think very few people are going to listen to all of the shows. I know I wouldn't, but some people may like certain subjects better than others. So I like to give a well-rounded portfolio of people, of things for people to choose from. Well, and you're certainly successful at it. I mean, how big is your listenership, do you think? Well, you know, it's not as big as you might think. I mean, over the years, we've gotten over 40 million downloads, but that's, you know, that's a certain amount of people downloading a lot of podcasts. I would say, I, I'm guessing maybe 100,000 to 150,000 people probably listen to my various podcasts combined. So really, if you think about the whole world, that's, that's kind of small. But for uh, an independent podcaster, that's, that's pretty good. So we've been very happy with it. And that's the, 
that's the era we live in, right? You don't have to be a mega star or reach millions of people. You can have an impact uh, by reaching smaller audiences, and we're appreciative to all of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I listen to a lot of different podcasts, but you're right. There are a lot of media giants out there, MSNBC, CNN, uh, New York Times, and WashPo. They all have these mega big pockets and these mega empires that put out podcasts, and there's no way to compete against them. You just kind of have to find your own niche. Well, the thing is, is that I was lucky because I started very early on. I often say, you know, what I do and, you know, kind of what I would call moderate success. I'm an accessible mid-tier podcaster. I'm certainly, you know, not of the, the, the ilk just starting out and just looking to build a very small audience. I've got an audience that allows me to do this full time between my advertising, between my premium. But I think it'd be very hard to do today. Very, very hard to do today. Because of all the voices out there? Yeah, to start, start brand new, I think it would be difficult. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's a lot of fun, though. I'm very grateful to do what I do. And uh, again, it's funny because here in the spooky studio, it's Halloween, you know, 24-7, 365. But this time of the year, everybody gets into the act and everybody's like, let's be spooky. So I love it because finally people are talking about the, the subject that I love. Well, yeah, and you're kind of like the OG of the paranormal, I think is what they call you on your podcast. And you've got so many spooky, fun and spooky props there in the background. I love that you can just like live <laughs> that 24-7. I recognize the sign you have behind you. I just got a sign like that because I saw Isn't that you posted on, yeah, saw you posted on your Facebook page. So I can't wait to yeah. put that out this Halloween. Oh. Well, what, what was funny was, is that uh, I was doing a video for something and I needed a mock-up skull and, you know, going to the store, where are your skulls? Where do you keep your skulls? But it was uh, one of these big, and I'm sure you know who it is, a big craft chain. And I, I found my skull and then I found this other fortune teller sign over here with the eye, which is pretty cute. And I'm like, oh, I got to put that in. The problem now, Christy, is I'm running out of room. My wife says I have too much stuff in the background, but I, I like it. It kind of adds, spices things up a little bit, I think. Oh, yeah. I love Dar. She is a hoot. She yes, she is. Yeah. Well, let's get to the spooky stuff, Jim, because I, I love this. And you've been putting out some really good content lately on the campfire stories. And uh, I mean, you always knock it out of the park with the pod, the paranormal podcast. You get some big guests. Yeah, I try to. I mean, we try to get people who uh, people will relate to. We just had Dave Schrader on who has a show on the Travel Channel, uh, The Holzer Files, and been a radio host for many years. And we're working on something for next month. Hopefully, we're going to interview the guy who invented the ancient aliens hypothesis. Now, whether you believe that or not, he's a pretty big deal. His name is Eric Von Doniken, oh, the chariot of the gods. Yeah. He's supposed to come on the show, hopefully in November, we're hoping. And uh, we've had him on before. So yeah, we get most of the big names. There's a few we can't get, but uh, we keep trying. But over the years, you know, it, it's become more for that show. The people seek us out. And that's kind of cool. That's really cool. You know, I, I grew up on chariot of the gods. Mm -hmm. my, my dad was fascinated by UFOs and seen, had seen many. And we had, uh, there was Chariot of the Gods and whatever the follow-up was. We had that around the house and I just read them avidly cover to cover. So good job. I can't wait to hear that. When do you think it'll be out? Probably I would think mid to late November is what right. I'm thinking. So fingers crossed. I'm working with his uh, assistant because uh, he's over uh, in Europe. Uh, we have to coordinate times and things. So it's a little more involved than the typical interview, but we've interviewed him before and it went great and he was fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, that'll be great. That'll be great. And so of course the campfire tales, campfire stories with uh, Jim Harold, those are a lot of fun because they're just normal people. Oh, yeah, that's something I really like about it. I, I mean, I get to talk to the Von Donikins and the Dave Schraders and, and people and the George Norries and people like that. But then I, I think that just as important is to talk to regular people like you and me 
who are just going about the course of their lives and something strange happens to them. And we do get these great stories from people. Uh, one that really stuck up on my mind, and it's not as, well, it's eerie. I don't know if spooky is the word, but just weird. It's a couple of weeks ago. A gentleman called up and he said, uh, his name was Kevin, and he said, uh, this happened to me about 10 years ago. He said, I was sitting around my house, and if you listen, you probably heard this. I got a phone call, and uh, he said, uh, very kind person, man, came on the line and said, hi, Kevin, how you doing? And Kevin says, I'm doing fine, and he says, well... You know, I haven't heard from you lately, and I just wanted to make sure you're doing okay. And Kevin's like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. And he said, well, I wanted to check in on you because I'm going to be seeing you soon and just wanted to make sure you were all right. And Kevin, he thought, well, this guy's being very nice, but I don't know who this is. I don't want somebody to just show up at my door. And, you know, and I don't know who he is or who I'm expecting. So he just very politely asked him. Well, sir, you know, thanks. I, that's great. Thanks for checking in. But who are you? And Kevin said, well, well, the, Kevin, this is Jesus. And at that point, Kevin's like, okay, somebody's having a prank on me. So uh, Kevin, he's polite, though, because the guy was nice. And he said, well, thank you for calling and checking in on me. But he said it bothered him. Oh, yeah. About a week later, Kevin had a massive heart attack and was rushed to the hospital. And this was totally out of the blue. It's so close to death he was that they brought in the chaplain to be with the family. Okay. So they really thought this was it for Kevin. And he did recover. He's had some other health challenges, a couple of other heart attacks, a stroke, and so forth. But he said that experience really made him think. Now, Nobody ever fessed up to saying that I called you and played a prank on you. So he's wondering if he got a call from above. Uh, and it's just a really, really strange thing. And, and these weird things happen to people in life. I really believe they happen. They have no reason to make this sort of thing up. And uh, it, was, it was quite a story. That is amazing. I mean, it gave me goosebumps when I listened to it the first time. And you're retelling. Again, I've got the goosebumps. That is um, it's, it's bizarre and it's very curious and, uh, you know, you just got, have to think, well, what the heck did happen? But he's not alone. I mean, weird things happen to every, many, many people, maybe not everybody, but every, like many, many people. One that has stuck with me lately, Jim, is the story of the little man under the bed. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That one. Um, this was a young lady and she was talking about when she was a kid and, um, and, and I'm just recalling it as best I can. So I hope I get all the, you can, you heard it. So you can fill in the details if I miss something, but basically what happened was she was, uh, telling her family that she saw, uh, in her room. And I think she was around 10 years old or something. And she saw a little man, like it looked like a man, but he was little and he had white hair. And then at one point he ran under her bed yeah. She, she couldn't sleep in her room that night. I'm like, uh, I don't think I could sleep in my room should I see a little white-haired man under my bed. But here was the thing, Christy. I think at first they didn't necessarily believe her. And then other members of the family started to report seeing the little man around their house. And the thing of this is you think, oh, that's ridiculous. That, that doesn't make any sense. But, but I've had other calls like this. I've had one gentleman who said he woke up one night when he was a teenager. He's probably close to my age now. And he saw what looked like a bunch of mini robots in his house. And he said, he swears it wasn't a dream. Then I had another man call and, and he's older and said this dated to the late sixties when he was a child and said that he used to see a leprechaun at night. Then it used to dance around in his bedroom. And then the kicker on that story is Decades later, he's talking to his brother, and he never told his brother about this. And then he says, you know, I used to see a leprechaun at night. What looked like a leprechaun, a little man that would dance around my room. And his brother said, oh, you saw him too. 
So who's to say, Christy? I mean, I think there was a really great quote somebody gave me yesterday. I think it's from the radio host, Greg Bishop, um, on the UFO phenomenon. And I think it extends to a lot of this stuff. The UFO phenomenon is not only weirder than we think, it's weirder than we can think. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the way with a lot of this, that it's weirder than we, not only weirder than we think, it's weirder, weirder than we can think. Whatever's behind it, at least some of it, is so outside our realm of reference that we're not even close to what it really represents. Totally. Now, uh, I've got this photo in my office here of Dolores Cannon. I don't know if you've heard of her, Jim. Yes, but, she's passed, right? Am I right yeah, about that? Unfortunately, 2014, yeah. Yeah, I interviewed, I've, I interviewed her before her passing, yes. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, she was, she was absolutely fabulous. Um, yeah, it was right around this time of year in 2014, so five years ago. <clears throat> and in her book, she's, uh, she talks about you know, all these things are real, even things that we can't even imagine absolutely are real. So like, if you see something that just defies logic, defies even your imagination, you know, it could very possibly be real. And, you know, I'm reminded you've told the, again, the leprechaun story. I think that was just wonderful. I remember that it's, it, it was striking. You don't hear about that all the time. I do remember there was some flap I want to say in Ohio many years ago of a mass sighting of a leprechaun. Yeah, I, I, that seems to vaguely right, ring a bell. The thing is, though, is that sometimes we may see things and we may put them in a bucket to conceptualize them, but it might be something else. Like, okay, maybe he didn't actually see a leprechaun, but maybe he did see a little man or a little creature dancing around. Maybe that little creature was something else. I mean, I look at the things, uh, the, the idea of multiple dimensions. You know, maybe maybe we're seeing things crossing over from multiple dimensions. Maybe there's one where all the people are little and they're crossing over. I, I don't know. I just did an interview with a gentleman yesterday. It hasn't aired yet about John Keel. Um, and he was one of the people who thought, you know, for example, UFOs are not as simple as we, you know, a lot of people think they're aliens coming and visiting from other places. And that may be part of the answer, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's all of the answer. Right. Yeah. It could be many different things. Multidimensionality. Like you said, it could be us from the future. It could be, you know, time travel rather than strictly space travel. We, we just don't know, but these stories have been in our lore. These stories have been painted on cave walls. These stories have been etched in the ground that you can only see from above. I mean, there's something to it. The chariot of the gods, of course, is all about that. And then about the, the leprechauns, um, you know, there, we have folklore about that. There's gnomes, fairies, leprechauns, pixies. All these things are in our folklore, but they had to come from someplace. Yes, yes. Right? And I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking about recent episodes. One that really resonated with me was, a, and this is back, I think, in the summer in August. We had a gentleman on who talked about a dream. He was a volunteer fighter, fi- uh, firefighter or ambulance EMS person. And um, one night he has this dream that he's on the site of an accident and it's like down in a ravine and he starts to go down to the ravine and there's other personnel there and somebody stops him and says, well, you might as well not go down there. You're not going to help that person. But he goes anyway and he sees this um, white Ford pickup truck, very specific model. I think it was early 2000s. Um, and it was like a brand new one in a certain very particular style. And it was a very bright, bright white. And you remember it was this exact model year because it had a very distinct design. But it was weird dimensions. It was like way longer than a regular pickup truck. So anyway, sure enough, he goes down and somebody's perished. Fast forward to the next day. He's going about his business and he gets, I think at that time, I'm not sure, a call, a page or something. 
and there's been an accident. So he's called out to it. Turns out that uh, a good Samaritan had stopped to help a lady in a car. The um, good Samaritan was driving a cement truck. And a truck had come around the turn at a very high rate of speed and slammed into the cement truck and the driver was killed instantly. Come to find out he gets there to help at the scene. The car that crashed into the cement truck was a bright white Ford of the same make and model with that very distinctive design. And the cement truck was roughly the dimensions of the truck in the dream that had the weird dimensions. I mean, to me, there's two, ex- two explanations for that. And I'll say this to my callers sometimes. One, you're making it up, which I don't believe you are, and I don't believe he was. Or you had a premonition. Those are your explanations. <laughs> because what are the chances the, uh, the driver is in basically the same exact truck uh, that was in this dream the night before. What are, and, and then the dimensions thing. I mean, what, what, are the, what are the chances of a coincidence like that? That is amazing. I mean, anything that we can even perceive actually can happen, can transpire, can, and we just have to be open to that possibility. You know, I don't, I don't when somebody tells me something like that, I always believe them, Jim. It's a crazy I, example. I, again, you know, we're talking about people, they don't have anything to gain. They're not getting paid to tell their story. It's not great fame or fortune to be on the show. So why, what reason would they have to make it up? And I think over time, for lack of a better phrase, you kind of develop a BS detector and you know when people are maybe exaggerating or adding a little bit more. But uh, in this case, I, I'm utterly convinced this guy was telling the truth. Now, if you want a really creepy one, I've got a really creepy one. This is from July. So this gentleman goes to an estate sale. This is out in LA. And there's a lot of different things that uh, he wants there, but it's all too expensive for him. But he's very nice to the lady and they have a great conversation and and they exchange information. He said, you know, if some of this stuff goes unsold, let me know um, and I'll come back and, and, and take a look. So sure enough, a couple of days later, the estate sale's over. He gets a call. The lady says, there's people here. They're rude. They're being nasty to me. I really liked you and liked your demeanor. Come down and I'll give you a deal on some stuff. So she, sure enough, she gives him a great deal on some stuff that he wants. And she said, you know what? Um, take this old antique mirror. I think it's meant for you. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so he says, okay. So he takes, it's very heavy, big, like I'm guessing it's one of these old lead mirrors, you know, the real big heavy ones. So anyway, he brings it to the house and weird stuff starts happening. He starts hearing noises upstairs when he's not upstairs where the, where the mirror is. Some weird stuff starts happening. So anyway, he's one day in the bedroom where he's put this lead mirror, just leaned it against the wall. And he wakes up. He's asleep. And this is, I, I believe this was in like the morning or something. He wakes up and he looks and, and he, all of a sudden he sees people, a group of people in his room. And there's one man who's real clear. Everybody else is kind of fuzzy. And he can't figure out what's going on. He kind of kind of rubs his eyes. He looks again. And it's like, still there. And he's like, hmm. So then he's kind of like freaking out. He's like, what are you guys, what are you doing here? Who are you? And the guy comes up to him, the one that's real clear. And he kind of leans down and he whispers, we came with the mirror. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And he's incredulous. He can't believe it was going on. He said, we like to dance. We didn't get to finish our last dance. That's where you come in. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then basically what happens is they kind of dissolve 
and weird stuff keeps happening in the house. He has a paranormal investigator uh, come over and confirms that there's some kind of activity and story goes on and on. But my goodness, could you imagine that? Oh, you wake up and you see somebody of these. The thing is like, we like to dance. We didn't get to finish our last dance. That's where you come in. It's like, oh my gosh. I think I'd have a heart attack on the spot. Well, I seem to remember there was something more about that, that he was this, this gentleman who bought the mirror was, um, he had a theater troupe. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, is that the investigator, and thanks for reminding me, the investigator came over, did some EVP sessions and he got recordings. And in the recordings, there were voices talking about demons. Well, I said, oh my gosh, does that mean there are demons? He said, uh, this is the caller, Michael. He said, no, I was actually in something called the Demon Theater Company, so it didn't bother me that much. And it's like, ew. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. We get some great ones, I'll tell you. Yes, you really do. I don't know that I would have been so quick to write it off like that. But yeah, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Whoa. Yeah, that was really spooky. There's all kinds of spooky stories out there. And I, I just love it that you, know, I call, you call it the campfire, of course, because what do we do when we get around a campfire? We immediately whip out our scariest stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was um, one in, I'm vague on, because this goes back to the spring, because I'm, I'm kind of looking here at my website as we're talking to cue yeah. my memory on some stories. There was one family that um, lived uh, over uh, a funeral home. They lived like in an apartment. It was a family business. Yeah. And you can help fill in the blanks if I forget. And they started to have very weird things happening in the one girl's room. Mm -hmm. And they had a baby monitor and there would be noises and just like. The baby crying, I think. Baby crying, yeah. So anyway. Um, they tell, uh, they're talking about this and they tell the father who owns the place and they're staying, you know, they're staying above the, the funeral home, which I couldn't do. I would be too freaked out. But I mean, if you, I guess if you're around it and I've talked to morticians before, you know, if it's, if you're around it, you get used to it. It's not a huge deal. But anyway, uh, her father said, oh, I'm so sorry. And he goes up to the room and he takes a box out of the room. And it turns out that, and this is the saddest thing, something like there were ashes of people that had not been, and it might've been children that had not been collected or something, which was really kind of weird to me, but something like that. Um, And once they took that box of, they were just keeping these because somebody hadn't claimed them or hadn't picked them up or something weird like that. And he had just stored them in this closet. Once they took the ashes out, no more activity. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was a baby monitor and the mom kept hearing this baby crying. She'd go up and look in on the kid and no, the kid was fast asleep. Nothing, oh. nothing going on, but she kept hearing it like almost daily. Yeah. It was these unclaimed baby ashes. Yeah. Ugh. I know. Now, there was another one recently where, and this is really a good one. And if people are tuning in for the first time, it's a great one to listen to because kind of across the paranormal podcast and campfire, but I thought it fit on campfire is you may be familiar with the black eyed kids phenomena. That is oh where, my people, gosh. yeah, that's where people see, these kids and they either try to knock on their doors and try to get in their house or in their car, they want to ride. And basically it's very pale looking kids. Um, They're very insistent to get into your car, very insistent to get into your house, but their eyeballs are totally black. I'm not talking like a black eye, like somebody punches you. I mean, your eyeball is totally black. And you know, this is really over the last 20 years been something, 20, 25 years, been something on the internet that's very prevalent and people report seeing these. Well, I actually got to interview the man who had the most complete recent account and it kind of started the wave of reports. Brian Bethel. Yeah, didn't he coin the phrase black-eyed yep. children? 
Yeah, and I, I interviewed him for probably about 25, 30 minutes on the campfire a couple of weeks ago. And he tells a story. And the thing about him, he's a journalist, very credible. His story has never changed. And it's just eerie. Uh, this was, uh, he was trying to pay a bill. And uh, this was before the days of internet bill pay. And he was trying to write a check and drop it off. And these kids came to his car door and wanted a ride to go to a movie. But the movie was about to end. You know, like, uh, I, I think they were saying, well, we need a ride because we have to go to our house to get money to watch the movie. But the movie was you know, would have been over by the time they got back. And they're kind of saying these things that are nonsensical. And oh, by the way, their eyeballs are totally black. Um, (laughs) What that is, I don't know. Now, I think about things like, it reminds me of Men in Black, or it reminds me of something like, and this is very sinister, the djinn, what the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley used to talk about a lot, these weird creatures that can shapeshift and mimic different people and different things, but they can never get it hundred percent right. And I always wonder if the black eyed kids are in fact, the gin. it's yeah. just that stuff that, that really creeps me out. You've had several callers call in and talk about doppelgangers. Oh yes. Yes. We just had one this last week. I just released it yesterday and uh, someone I think saw their grandmother walking down the steps and, or, and went to see, and she wasn't there. And then when she checked, she was upstairs. And this is very, very common. One of my favorite stories on doppelgangers was from several years ago. A young, um, well, a woman, uh, her daughter was a high schooler in the high school. And I think they lived in a trailer and the school bus would drop her off every day in front of the house. So this day, the mom sitting there, probably drinking a cup of coffee or something. I don't know what she was doing, but she said she was sitting relaxing. And the door swings open and her daughter comes in and her daughter just starts cursing her out. And then if anybody is familiar with the layout of a trailer, you know, a lot of times you'll have room and then you'll have like a narrow hallway down to the other bedrooms from the the main room. So she storms down the the uh, trailer and goes in her room. The girl goes in her room and slams after cursing out her mother. And her mother's like, what in the world was that all about? Why is she cursing me out? No sooner does that thought get in her mind, no sooner than her daughter slams her bedroom door, her daughter walks in, but there's no physical way she could have made it outside and back in and just walks in like, Nothing ever happened. Hi, mom. How you doing? How was your day? She's like, but you were just here cursing me out. And she said, no, she wasn't. I believe there was some other weird stuff going on in that trailer. And that's the thing about doppelgangers. I had heard of them. But before I started doing this show, I didn't know that they were associated with the paranormal. And you see them in places that have uh, paranormal activity. But but here's here's a place where the explanation is not as simple as we might want to make it with ghosts and things. It reminds me of a story that was told by Lloyd Auerbach, who is probably one of the most knowledgeable parapsychologists out there. I really respect the guy. He's forgotten more about this stuff than I'll ever know. And he told the story. He was doing a segment for the old TV show Sightings, which was on, I don't know, probably about 15, 20 years ago. Good show syndicated and he was covering a story for them or doing a story for them on a place where there had been a murder and the people would report going to this place and seeing what looked like a murderer and a murderee, a murder victim replaying it, replaying the event, which you would say, Oh yeah, well that's ghosts. Well, In the case of the murder victim, yeah, that could be a ghost. But they were also seeing the murderer. The murderer wasn't dead. He was on death row. So what in the world is that? That gets back to that idea. And again, I'll credit Greg Bishop because I don't want to claim it as my own. But this phenomenon is not just weirder than we think, but weirder than we can think. 
Hi, this is Christy. I just want to say that we here at Radiate Wellness hope you're enjoying this podcast. It's free to you, and we hope that you find it informative and inspirational. Heck, even fun. We have just three small asks of you to help us radiate growth. First, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll receive a notification every time that we have a new podcast episode out. Next, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or a five-star review. If you're feeling inspired, a positive review wouldn't hurt. These two small things will help others find us when they're searching for great podcasts. Finally, please tell your friends about the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Better yet, show them how to find us and how to subscribe. If everyone did that, we would double our audience. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, then you have to start thinking, well, is this a, an impression? It's like got recorded in time and space. Yeah, residual. Yeah. There's so many um, things that you can't even wrap your mind around. You know, Dolores Cannon used to say, if you want to wrap your brain like a pretzel or twist your brain like a pretzel, read these books, you know, and it's just thinking of the implications. What, how, if it's, if it's a time thing, then what is time? If it's a dimension thing, then what are the men, the dimensions? So it opens up a huge can of worms and it's kind of like one of your, maybe your favorite type of story, which is the head scratcher. The head scratcher. Just things that kind of make you go, huh? Okay, okay. I mean, the the all time favorite is the Roadhouse Saloon. Do you want me to tell the Roadhouse Saloon? Please do. That is really wild. Well, the Roadhouse Saloon was. um, I just recently got to talk to her again, and the story is the same. Ti from uh, Michigan, but at the time she lived in or where this happened was in Wisconsin. She went with a friend of hers by the name of Bob to go see a band play. And I think they were about an hour this is in a rural area and they closed down the place like two o'clock in the morning. So they were driving back to where they lived, which was about an hour away. And it's a very dark rural area, like these two lane roads. And all of a sudden, T.I. says, well, the call of nature, I've got to go to the restroom. And he said, well, you know, pretty much our options here are the bushes. And she said, no, thank you. No, thank you. Just drive fast. So they're driving and they come along this bar, this roadhouse saloon. Now, that's fine and dandy, but you would think at about three o'clock in the morning, it'd be closed up tight. But no, the joint was jumping. There was neon signs in the, the the windows that were turned on there were cars in the place uh it was lit up like a christmas tree proverbially so they said aha let's go in here even though they couldn't figure out why it would still be open that time in the morning so they go in and everybody acts kind of weird they're kind of like smiling not quite talking ti goes to the restroom bob gets a couple of drinks from the bar and they sit in there talking But everybody continues to kind of smile and act kind of weird. Um, This one guy puts uh, this beautiful old jukebox, a vinyl jukebox, like the old bubbler ones. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, with real records. And he puts on Chubby Checkers' Let's Twist Again. And he plays it like multiple times, which is kind of weird. And every time he plays it, everybody starts dancing now this is a little bit new spin on it some new information i didn't know before because i had another discussion with her recently but anyway after one of these times he comes up to her and wants to dance with her and she has a cane and she said this is a case where she was glad she had it because she could hold it up and kind of use it as an excuse not to dance with him and not to you know hurt his feelings or anything just say i can't and she said he had these nasty, rotten teeth, and it was not it was not good. So anyway, he walks off. And and her and Bob are talking, and there is this um, you know, there's this painting. And it's an old West style painting of a bar. And like you would see in the old Western movies, and there were the swinging doors, you know, where the guy comes in and says, Where's Bart? You know, that kind of thing. But the weird thing she noticed was is that the people in the mural 
were actually in the bar with her and Bob. A couple of ladies over here. Oh, they were in there. One guy behind the bar, he was over there. It was just very, very weird. So anyway, um, you know, there's a big handsome guy behind the bar and and they're drinking and drinking, talking about this mural, and they notice something. They notice where the swinging doors are, and they didn't notice it to the beginning, but there's like two misty figures, just like kind of human shapes, but they can't tell what they are. And they continue to look and talk and look and talk and look back, and those figures look a little more developed. And a little more developed, almost like a Polaroid picture, like they're coming into view. And one is shorter and one is much taller. And one's a woman and one's a man. And one has curly hair, a woman, and boots. And T.I. has curly hair and boots. And, oh, the figure has a cane, T.I. And at that point, her and Bob look at each other, look at the swinging doors, see that they are literally developing into the picture and said, let's get out of here. They start to walk out and all the people are like, come back, come back. Uh, Yeah, they say they walked out the door, close the door, okay? Everything goes dark. The neon lights are off. No music playing. Like the place is dead stone cold and has been closed for hours. Oh, by the way, they look in the parking lot. There is a car, their car, no other cars. So, <laughs> and, and, and uh, so let's get out of here. So they get out of here. Now, T.I. is a far more brave person than I am. So she decides, I'm going to check this out. So a few nights later, she goes, I think it might have been with her sister. I'm not sure if it was a friend or a sister. Went back. But she went like 7 o'clock at night, which, you know, at least at least she did that. I wouldn't want to go back there at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. And uh, anyway, she, um, she sees a young lady behind the bar. And uh, she looks in the corner, and there's a jukebox. Oh, yeah, there's a jukebox. Plays CDs. And no chubby checker on. And she said, well, who knows? Maybe they had to change that. She talks to the woman and uh, she said, oh, I was here the other night. It was great, you know. And uh, the mural's still there. Of course, she's not in it. Or Bob, either one. And uh, she says, yeah, there was this big kind of good-looking bartender. And the woman's like, we don't have anybody here that looks like that. It's just me and my elderly father. So with that, T.I. kind of shrugged her shoulders and left the roadhouse saloon. She said she's not been back. And I can't blame her. But I don't, you know, the thing is, now here's the kicker. That place really exists. Listeners have gone and they've taken pictures and there is a mural and there are swinging doors. It exists. It's real. Wow. But that night, 3 a.m., something happened there something don't know what that is just too bizarre i love that story i mean it's just you just gotta go what the heck was that you know like (laughs) exactly um you know it's one that uh it's my go-to story because i think that kind of encapsulates the spirit of the campfire we don't know what's out there we might hear almost anything and that's the thing I've done, I think I just released something like the 419th episode of the show. And every show has, you know, several, call you number 419. I released it yesterday. So I've been doing it for over 10 years, 419 episodes. And the truth is, is that, you know, I think, oh, I've heard it all. And all of a sudden somebody comes on and it's like, well, I never heard that one before. So there's always something new and, and something interesting around the campfire. Oh, that is so cool. I mean, you have like two or three callers each episode. That's, you know, a small army. Actually, we have have more like six. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I shoot I shoot for six callers every show, six, usually six, sometimes seven. Now, in the early days, I think the show was more of a half hour, and now it's kind of expanded out to an hour. But, you know, there's not a lot of fluff in there. We might have, you know, just because, you know, we have to pay the, the light bill. We have uh, a couple of ads and things. But of that hour, you know, it's heavily, it's, it's, it's storytellers. It's not me talking about what I have for breakfast. Mm-mm, no. And so by now you've got kind of a small army of people who've called in and shared their spooky stories. And you know, Jim, that's the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's so many more. And the thing is, is we can't keep up with the submissions. We'll have to open up the submissions for a couple of weeks. And then right now, for example, the submissions are open and we're almost booked through December for callers. And then we have to close them for a while and then open them back up and close them for a while and open them back up. And in, in the early days, it was like, oh, am I going to have enough people? And, and now it's like uh, it's, we have an embarrassment of riches. But I love it and I love for people to call in and tell their stories. It's very courageous and I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And I've had a lot of people say, well, Jim, I've, I've held this inside for 30 years. I never told anybody, but I wanted to come on the show and, and tell you in the audience. And that's really a good feeling. Because they finally feel safe. Like they're, right. they're I'm not going to make fun of them. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to belittle them in any way. I'm going to respect them no matter how incredible the story is and let the audience decide. Mm-hmm. And then you'll often have people back on because some folks, they have just this plethora of stories that they could tell that there are certain people who are so open to this paranormal side that they're almost sought out and experience like all of the crazy things around them so you'll have people back on to tell more yeah i think some people are just you know they talk about haunted houses and haunted places i think some people and this doesn't necessarily mean in a negative way, but there's haunted people. There's people who are plugged in. They're more sensitive. I always kind of joke, I think I'm as sensitive as a board. Uh, But I think there are other people who really pick up on this stuff. I I really do. And we do have people who have called multiple times and have different stories and they're always uh, fascinating. Yeah. And it can be, it's not even all ghost stories. It's not even all you know, one type of story, they'll have a UFO story, they'll have a mm-hmm. cryptid story, they'll have a ghost story, they'll have a head scratcher. And when we're open like that, then we are open to all the possibilities. And I'm sure you've heard of the theories that, like you, like Bigfoot, yep. we have a, a, a UFO or an ET type of background or share some common ancestry or at least there's something there yep so you know it is interesting i mean to me of all the kind of claims that fall under what we call fortiana i've always been probably a little more skeptical of bigfoot than others and i tend to think that if bigfoot is real um it's probably an animal that hasn't been discovered yet but putting that aside there are a lot of cases where i just did an interview the other day on something called the Bridgewater Triangle up in Massachusetts, where, uh, you know, there's a lot of UFO reports, there's a lot of Bigfoot reports, and they seem to tie in. Um, that goes back to the work of John Keel. A lot of these, you know, Mothman ghost sightings, the collapse of the Silver Bridge, a lot of weird things happening in close proximity in, in both time and geography. And then the work of somebody like Stan Gordon up in Pennsylvania, who's done a lot of work on the, not coincidence, but the coincidence of UFOs and Bigfoot. So I I almost think there is something to some of that, that some of these, there's an interplay of these different um, phenomena. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I used to love the show In Search Of, which uh, I think for many people who are in this field, myself included, of a certain age, that was what got us all started as little kids. In fact, I'm looking at the DVD collection up on my shelf right now. And it's just kind of like, you know, it's kind of what got us going and interested in this stuff. And the thing is, is that I remember the intro of that show, and we'll investigate, you know, and this may not be the exact words, but strange disappearances, UFOs, ghosts, psychic phenomena. It was all very siloed. 
And I think that's the way I started out thinking about all this stuff. But the more I think about it, a lot of times, the more I think that it's all kind of woven together. You know, I tend to agree with you there, Jim, because, um, I mean, all of it, I believe all of it has to do with just the different dimensions. And, you know, I teach about psychic development and I, I see dead people, I see ghosts and things like that, I see archangels and ascended masters. And it's that they're just in a different dimension that we can't perceive with our senses, our normal senses, but the dimension's there nonetheless. And so when we're talking about things that we can't explain, and I think you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, what if these things are just in like the little man and what if that little man is just in a different dimension? So there's the, this commonality of interdimensionality, which I think is very fascinating, just to even wrap your mind around that these things are coexisting with us, but we just can't perceive them until we do. Whether yeah, that's the thing. And, and, and one of the things, I don't know if it was Arthur C. Clarke or uh, someone, but basically the idea is, is that this may be science, but it may be the science of the 23rd century. I, I think mm-hmm. that's a rough quote. I don't know if that's said 22nd century or 23rd. I don't, but the idea is there is that an example I use, and I think Stanton, I, I was using this, and then I heard the late Stanton Friedman use it in a, in a recording. Um, and I thought, oh, well, I must have borrowed that from him because I thought, oh, that was very insightful. But sometimes you, you borrow ideas and don't know them. But the example that I often use is DNA. You know, in 1700, we didn't know that DNA existed. Uh, maybe if you suggested it to a science scientists at the time, they would say, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. That, that makes no sense. It goes against the teachings of the church or whatever. But guess what? DNA does exist. And it's been there the whole time. We just didn't know it. Right. So I think it could be that way with a lot of things. I mean, for example, you think about something like radio waves. I walk around today. I don't see any radio waves. I, I'm looking around, but I turn on my radio and it works. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are beyond our senses. And maybe the things are beyond current scientific measurement, but it doesn't mean they're not there. And that's my thought. Well, you know, I always think about when we are searching for life on other planets, we may be searching for carbon or silicon-based life forms, but these life forms could be something that we don't have the tools to measure yet. Right. And I don't know if you've listened to the podcast Wild Thing. I have not. Oh, it's wonderful. And I, oh, I. I I will check it out. Check it out because it's all about Bigfoot. And um, this was someone from the the narrator, the host is from uh, NPR fame. And I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she found out that she was related kind of distantly to a big, uh, to a, a Bigfoot researcher at a university. Uh, unfortunately, he, she had passed, but she found his papers and kind of picked up the trail. And the whole premise of this show is like, what if Bigfoot is real? I'm not saying it is or it's not, but we're just going to go on the trail of Bigfoot. And I think one of the very early, maybe even the trailer of this podcast, she reads this description and she talks about this, this beast this with an, an impossible demonic face and dark shaggy fur all over its body and it's uh we always heard that maybe this existed but you know this is the first time it's ever been sighted and it turns out to be a description of a gorilla by a european who had never seen a gorilla but only heard right. about it right and so her whole thing is like what if this is like you said uh an undiscovered type of species and, oh, it's fascinating. You should definitely listen to it. So, oh, that sounds like a future interview. I, I'd like to, I'd love to interview her. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally listen to that. And so um, there's something out there. We don't know what it is. And there's m- many other, you mentioned the Mothman, too. There's oh, yeah. been a recent flap here in Missouri with Mothman-like creatures. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating one. And uh, Chicago, there's been reports of Mothman. So the Chicago Mothman. So I, you know, I never say never. Some, I, I mean, some of this stuff is 
there's the opportunity for it to become urban legend and the opportunity for people to just say, oh, guess what I saw. But I think if you said it before, it's somewhere there's probably the kernel of truth to it. So who am I to say that Mothman doesn't exist? And we've had calls, I can't remember a specific one at this point, but we've had people say that they saw a winged creature that looked like a humanoid with wings that just flew away. That that has been, we have had callers on the campfire saying that sort of thing. So it, you know, it may be possible. It may very well be possible. I mean, I'm reminded of a story that happened to my parents. My mom has passed. My dad's still alive. He's 84. And they were from West Virginia. And this happened probably, I would say, I'm guessing 1969, 1970. I was uh, very small. (laughs) I was born in 69. And um, they had, uh, my grandmother was babysitting me. So I was just a baby. And not that I particularly want to know this, but it sounds like to me they went off to like a deserted lover's lane type area. Don't want to know anything about it. Yeah, no. So anyway, uh, they're sitting there and uh, they said that there was a huge flash of light in the sky. Okay. And he said it was so bright that you could read the numbers on the speedometer, the old big speedometers they used to have on cars. My dad, my mom didn't see this part. My dad says he turned to his left and there was a, he said there was a man with a welding mask standing there and had his hand up. Then my dad says, let's get out of here. And he peels out in his 1968 Buick LeSabre. And then my mom said, as they were going, there were birds on the bank with the biggest wings I ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's what she said. The thing was, is that neither one of these were, uh, or in my dad's case, are what I would call very metaphysical type people. You know, they're not really into crystals and, and, and things like that. Not saying that's bad. It's just wasn't the very salt of the earth, you know, folks, blue collar kind of folks. And they told the same story from when I first heard it, probably when I was four or five years old till the day my mom died. And and my dad still tells the same story. Not a word has changed. And that was somewhat reminiscent to me to some of the stuff that was going on in West Virginia in 1966 when uh, all of this was going. It was a different part of the state, don't get me wrong. But it really kind of reminded me a little bit of kind of a high strangeness people were reporting. And my dad said he expected to see something on the news or or something the next day about this huge flash, nothing, nothing. It was a very deserted, very deserted area that they had driven to. So just high strangeness and it does happen. Yeah. uh, That term high strangeness covers a lot of ground. Um, I'm thinking of Hellyer, Kentucky as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them on your show. Yeah, I yeah. I heard about them and watched their whole series of Hellier. And you want to men- mention a little bit about that? That's the idea of the goblins, right? <laughs> yes, the Hellier, what do they call them? The, I think they just call them the goblins. Yeah, the Kentucky goblins. Yeah. And I, I think that they have recently done shooting or rap shooting on a part two. That's Greg Newkirk yes. and Dana Newkirk. So if you want to check that out, it's Hellier, H-E-L-L-I-E-R. And, uh, you know, is a part of Kentucky haunted by goblins. And it's interesting to talk to Greg about it, you know, going in maybe skeptical, coming out maybe a little less skeptical, possibly. Um, it makes you think, are there some strains, particularly in these rural areas? You know, those there's a lot of woods out there. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, we don't, we who live in cities, we forget how much wilderness there is and how much room there is for this high strangeness. Yeah. And I remember they, you know, they went out to investigate to Hellier's very, very small town. I mean, they had 
basically the, the gas station pizza shop that every small town has. And they investigated the caves. They investigated different homes where things were supposed to have happened. Uh, they went to the woods. They did um, this type of recording that was... Um, um, well, they did, they did some things that are not usual. They were new to me where like one person would have these thick headphones on and then they'd have a, a static box playing, something like that. I don't remember exactly. Like a Frank's box? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's very interesting. And the thing is, they had a lot of high strangeness, but nothing definitive. Yeah. Like something <laughs> There's a saying out there, and I don't know, I, I'm fond of sayings, but sometimes they're great because they kind of encapsulate ideas. Um, and there's something about strange beings or something that's like you notice them and they noticed that you noticed them. And there seems to be about all of this stuff almost. There's like a trickster element. There's like, okay, it's like hide and go seek. Oh, you found me. No, you didn't. You know, it seems like something is playing with us sometimes yes. uh, and having fun with us and aware that we're out investigating and it's like, oh, you got me. No, you didn't. And uh, it, it changes. And it, so I, I think it's, I think that's an interesting component about it. Is it just a, you know, a, some kind of mystical, practical joker who's messing with us? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But it makes you, it really makes you wonder and it makes you, you think, okay, so then what is at play? Is there a big plan that we're plugged into? I, I don't know. Is it, I, know. <laughs> I, I will say this. When I started in 2005, I thought this will be great. I, and I think I said this on the show last time I was with you. I'll do this for six months. I'll talk to all these really smart people. And I was really lucky. I got some big names right off the bat. Nobody knew what a podcast was. They'd be like a what cast? But 2005, 14 years ago. But I got some really big names. I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to these smart people, Lloyd Auerbach, Stanton Friedman, Brad Steiger, you know, people that aren't, some of them aren't with us anymore. And they're brilliant. And I will have the answers. And the truth was, I have more questions today than when I started in July of 2005. But I am more convinced than ever that something real is going on. There is. And I was just talking with my daughter about this today that, you know, they're brought up, of course, by a Foo Fighters song on the radio. And we started talking about what that was, what Foo Fighters yeah. were. And so this is kind of common knowledge that something else is out there. It's like, why doesn't the government, the powers that be, just go ahead and say it? You know, they kind of hint about it sometimes. There was a recent, recently the Air Force came out and said, yeah, they're, that was a UFO and uh, in a recent um, recent video, but it's like why why not just come out and say it? We all know this. It's it's this biggest secret that is out in the clear, right? And so yeah, just ignore yeah. it. It's really one of those things. I got to say that to me, the Tic Tac video, as it's called, and the Navy coming out and saying yes, this is real footage, and you weren't meant to see it. I mean, what do you want? There's something going on. Now, there's a lot of possibilities with that video. It could have been experimental government craft we don't know anything about. That's always a possibility. Yeah. There's other military equipment out there that we don't know about because I don't think for a minute that the Pentagon stopped with the stealth fighter and bomber. There's more stuff than we don't know. But still, it seems kind of very elusive. Um, it could be interdimensional it could be aliens but it's something and there is something and the thing is is that the skeptics you know who are saying oh, there's no photographic proof oh <laughs> oh there well, is <laughs> you weren't supposed to see that yeah yeah well, well, well that's aberration nothing to see here but the thing is is that uh i i think we know something's been flying around in the skies for the last 60 plus years, uh, 70 years at this point. And the thing is, is that just because there are unfortunately some hoaxes and there's plenty of people who see a drone or a planet or a star and are mistaken, just because there's a bunch of people that are mistaken doesn't mean that everybody is. 
absolutely. And, and when I, I think it was a few years ago that uh, President Obama's pilot for his first campaign, who flew around, a, a presidential candidate, said that he had, as a very young aviator, uh, years before it had a very dramatic UFO experience, but felt very pressured not to talk about it. And again, you're talking about someone who flew around the man who eventually became president. I'm sure he was vetted to the nth degree. He was checked out, solid citizen. Sure, he had a great flight record because you're flying around ostensibly the most powerful person in the world. They're one, you know, one vote away from it. So they got pretty good security in place at that point, I would think. Mm -hmm. And he's a very credible guy saying, yeah, I saw something. And then it it was not explicable. It was something. So you've got too many accounts like that. Yeah, you truly. There's something, there's something going on. And that is truly spooky that there's something out there that we can't identify and that is elusive to us very spooky i am out of time from for myself i've got uh to get to a client but um jim before we before we sign off here uh i do want to mention all the great books you have out there as well as all the great podcasts can you just like say a bit about those Yes, I have a series of five campfire books. They each have 70 stories, 70 of the best stories we've ever featured on the campfire. You can find those over at Amazon.com or you can just go to JimHarrellBooks.com. And from now until Halloween, we're going to be circulating through them. And many of those will be on sale for 99 cents on the Kindle. You can't beat that. Uh, So just look and see which, you don't have to read them in any certain order. They're collections. So uh, just pick the one that's on sale for 99 cents and and get that before Halloween. And uh, yeah, that's the books. And then they can find, they can just uh, check my name, Jim Harold, and type it into their favorite podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much anything that plays podcasts, Jim Harold, H-A-R-O-L-D. And I should pop up or Jim Harold's Campfire or Paranormal Podcast. So uh, Christy, thank you again. It's great to visit with you and your audience. And I'll just close out by saying happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thanks, Jim. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.